and welcome to another episode of Trinity College Dublin Talks. My name is Katie Byrne and with us today we have Associate Professor in the School of Psychology Claire Kelly, Junior Sophister in Botany student Heather McLean and Head of Catering in Trinity Moira O'Brien. Welcome everyone. Hi Katie. Uh, so today we're telling a behind-the-scenes story of how teaching and research has led to student activism and then ultimately was put into action resulting in Moira eliminating the surcharge for plant-based milks on Trinity's campus for the month of February and possibly longer. So we know this was a staff-student collaboration, but can we just start with your elective, Claire, which was really kind of the kindling, wasn't it, that started the spark of an idea that Heather had. So could you just tell us a bit about your elective? Sure, Katie. So um, our elective, um, the, the psychology of the climate crisis ran for the first time as a Trinity elective open to students from across the college um, last term, so Michaelmas term of 21-22. Um, and this this module really, um, I suppose, grew out of, of the fact that, you know, as we know, climate change and biodiversity crises are um, the biggest challenges facing our planet and its inhabitants. And I say that even in the context of um, the uh, challenge that we're living through right now, the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, we know um, that uh, these crises are a direct result of human behaviour and we know that it is human behaviour that needs to change in order to address them. So um, as a, um, a you know, professor in psychology, it seems to me that you know, there is a huge role for human psychology and as for our understanding of human behaviour and human thought um, to help us to understand how we've gotten to this point you know, you know how um, uh, the, the 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 crisis has arisen, um, the impacts of that crisis on our behaviour, but then most importantly, what we can do, um, how we can leverage our understanding of human um, thought and behaviour to uh, come up with solutions um, to this crisis. So that's where really what the the module tries to do. It goes through those three questions. Um, and uh, looks at psychological research and evidence um, on these three different aspects of, of the, the crisis, um, how we got to this point, what its impacts are, um, and what we can do about it. And um, the really great thing is it's not, it's a very much a collaborative and interdisciplinary module. So we have contributions from um, across the college, um, from natural sciences, uh, from um, the School of Religion, from um, politics, um, and um, we have uh, even experts from outside the college. So we have contribution from um, a colleague um, who works in the Behavioural Science Unit in the ESRI. So we're really bringing together lots of different threads um, to try and help students understand the climate crisis and um, what we can do about it. And so one of the, the, the key things, of course, of the module is um, assessment. And with the assessment, what I wanted to do is really um, try and um, to get students to take the knowledge um, uh, that they've acquired on the course and really apply this understanding of human thought and behaviour to real world problems and then to communicate that. So we had two assessments. One of them um, was a bit more, uh, well, <laughs> whether you can ever call this assessments fun, but it was, uh, I tried to make it fun. I had a group, um, there was a group project 
where students collaborated on um, coming up with some social media posts, so whether it was a Twitter or an Instagram post that tried to communicate some aspect um, of, um, uh, of what they had learned about psychological contributions to the climate crisis. So whether it was barriers to understanding and action or some aspect um, related to climate anxiety. And then the second assessment um, was an individual assessment uh, that was a policy brief. So this assessment asked um, students to take um, an issue, a climate related issue, um, uh, analyze that in terms of human psychology, in terms of um, you know, what they had learned on the course, in terms of human thought of beha and behavior, in terms of research and evidence on human thought and behavior, and how that drives that particular issue or problem. Um, and then to come up with um, actionable recommendations for policy change to address that problem. And I encourage them to, you know, to actually direct this, um, uh, this policy brief at a real life decision maker. So whether that's um, uh, in, in, in the case we're going to talk about today, whether it's the, the provost and the college or maybe politicians or the um, you know, uh, CEO of an organization or, or whatever it is. So the idea was really to get students to take what they had learned, apply it and, and really um, try to, to put it into to action. And I've encouraged many of these students to actually send their, their policy briefs in. Um, and Heather was, is just an excellent example of somebody who really um, took the assignment um uh, to heart and, took it all the way <laughs> action yeah 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 okay so, so much. heather yeah tell us a little bit about your research and what you learned uh, what was really the impetus behind um behind this project uh thank you yeah thank you so much claire that's yeah really good um so one of the things we did quite early on in the module was we covered the causes of climate change which as claire mentions are primarily driven by humans and one of the things that stuck with me was that what people choose to eat and drink has a big difference on how much greenhouse gases are emitted into the atmosphere and um, when you consider how quickly the earth's population is increasing at the moment human food consumption is going to be a big player in the speed that global warming actually takes place and occurs and one of the things that stuck with me was that how animal-based products emit tend to emit a lot more greenhouse gases than plant-based products so for example um, one liter of dairy milk emits um, one liter of dairy milk emits approximately three kilograms of greenhouse gas equivalent gases into the atmosphere whereas one liter of plant milk emits just 0.9 kilograms of greenhouse gas emissions to the atmosphere so dairy milk is kind of three times more um having three times more impact to the environment than vegan milk is at the moment so that really stuck with me i was looking at the number of people buying vegan and dairy milk on campus and obviously plant-based milks they cost more to produce and so therefore these beverages are more expensive and I wondered if that had an impact on the 
milk that people are choosing to put in their drinks when they go out for a coffee or a cup of tea or a hot chocolate had spotted that the cost of vegan beverages on campus is um actually it's not just on campus it's with every everywhere isn't it yeah yeah, Starbucks everywhere it's insomnia everywhere like people charge more for vegan beverages and I wondered if this was causing people to buy dairy drinks instead of vegan drinks and I wondered whether the price was actually the barrier that to people choosing an environmentally healthy option and I thought it would be really good fun to run an experiment where we price match these vegan plant-based milks with dairy milks for a month and see if um people will buy more um, vegan beverages, which are better for the environment. Um, And it could go either way. It could be that, um, yes, people have chosen to buy dairy milk because it's cheaper, or they've chosen to buy dairy because they prefer the taste. Um, But in order to test that out, we've got to price match the drinks and see if that has an impact on what people choose to buy in catering. Yeah. So this is the tricky part, isn't it? So you have your idea and you've done your research and now you go to try and make it happen. Yeah. So first of all, I was in contact with Martina, who uh, was pushing us to come up with barriers that may be stopping people choose the healthier option. And um, she mentioned that there's this healthy eating group on Trinity and I found out that it's actually run by people all over the college. So you've got um, doctors, you've got professors, you've got catering, you've got students all meeting together every couple of weeks to discuss how they can improve the um, how they can improve the uh, healthiness of the food that's being sold on campus, and also make sure that the food is and drinks are sustainable. Um, and it's really hard to kind of get everyone from different areas all working together on one project. But the healthy eating subgroup is a really good example of where if you get a group of people from different areas of the college working together, they can really achieve big changes. Uh, yeah, Martina and the healthy eating group were really helpful in connecting me with other people that such as Moira, who could help with this. So Martina Mullen sent you to Moira, head of catering. Yeah, and I just I was I was still at the research stage at this point, and I was just saying, would you mind sharing with me uh, the details of um, how many plant-based drinks and how many dairy drinks are sold on campus every day, week, or month? And they were really quick to respond that Moira was so helpful they sent all of the data over straight away just with that and they were kind enough to provide sort of the cost difference as well between plant-based milk and um, dairy milk and the first thing that struck me was that across campus um, 98.5% of the beverages that are being sold the hot ones are dairy and just 1.5% of the beverages being sold on campus are vegan or plant-based. If we can get 50% of the college customers to start purchasing plant-based beverages instead of dairy beverages, 
then we can reduce Trinity College's carbon footprint by tens of thousands of kilograms of greenhouse gas emissions every year. I think it's a massive result. Yeah. Possibly. I I think if we can get 50 percent buying vegan instead of dairy, that will reduce Trinity's carbon footprint by around 30,000 kilograms of CO2 emissions every year. Which would be great, wouldn't it? But can we just back up a little bit to for when your first conversation with Maura. Maura, can you just talk about your your meeting with Heather and how this actually came to be made a reality in in the cafes? It's not as simple as it sounds, I'm sure. Thanks, Katie. Um, it, it, this first came to my attention via the healthy eating um, group um, that Heather referred to there. I'm the operational co-lead of that group and Martina sits on that committee as well. So she had mentioned it and it, it was a very interesting experiment um, and really challenged us to start thinking about what we're doing. Um, and uh, Heather then reached out to Kira Murphy, who works um, in our team and Kira heads up the purchasing. So she was able to supply Heather with the information that was needed around, you know, what we've sold, the costs of that. I mean, obviously the critical thing for us was that the cost of the plant-based milks are considerably higher than that of the dairy. Um, and that's the kind of reality that not only ourselves, but that that's across the board. And as you mentioned, it's quite common for there to be a surcharge for plant-based milks. But what we thought was, this sounds like a great idea and great to challenge this. So what we offered to do was to run a month without a surcharge, just so that we could assess what the impact is on the take-up to Heather's point to try and see is price the barrier um, there. So if we lifted the surcharge, would more people be tend to go for a plant-based rather than a dairy option? Um, we wanted to also see what the cost implication of that would be, because as I mentioned, they're more expensive to supply. So that mm-hmm. we were dealing in raw data as regards what all of this meant in practice, because I know the desire would be for this to be eliminated entirely and for it to be a permanent thing. But I suppose from our perspective, we have to see what are the implications financially right. of that also. Um, so and see how that affects. But we have decided we committed to running it for the month of February. We also have data back from the month of November. So we're going to use that as a comparator. So we have all of that to to see what impact this has had. But it's it's been wonderful. And Heather's been so enthusiastic. Her enthusiasm has rubbed off on all of us. Um, and when we reached out to Alpro, who supply this milk in, they were also very supportive in terms of some of the marketing they did. There's big giant milk cartons in the, mm-hmm. the, the areas now. Um, and we're more than happy to support what we're doing. So it's got some great um, positive feedback. So we would be hoping that this is something that would be a much more permanent fixture. Yeah, I was just saying it's really good because worst case scenario at the end of this experiment, we'll find out how whether the reason behind people buying more dairy on campus is because they prefer the taste or because it's less expensive. And if it's because they prefer the taste, we can go back to Alpro and just say this was our feedback. And if it's because of the cost, we can approach um, yeah, other areas of the college and request funding to try and get this in place for longer. 
Yeah, I um, I did, I did write to the the provost, um, the bursar, and also let um our our new or incoming um uh, vice president for biodiversity and climate action know about this um amazing collaboration. Really, you know, I think it's one certainly in my experience in the college, this has been one of the most positive experiences of of people across um different areas of the college, from students, you know, all the way through um uh, to work on on this and, and actually bring something into action and it's just been really heartening um so i really wanted to let the provost know um about it and all the different people involved and she's um, been very supportive and the bursa was very supportive and the vice president for biodiversity climate action and they've recommended that um uh, seek a meeting with the chief operations officer of the coup i think we'll need some of the hard data and um, yeah. some of the hard numbers um, for that meeting, but I am hopeful that we can make a really good case. Um, and yeah, like I said, the support, uh, the support particularly from catering has been wonderful. Yeah, and just anecdotally, Maura, already you're hearing that it's been pretty popular in the cafes, mm-hmm. have you? Do you see a lot of students coming in, going for their oat milk lattes? And I'm sure they appreciate that. I, th- I think it is appreciated very much so. And I think it's also because we have done Um, And not just ourselves, but a lot of people have got this out on social media and it's getting getting out there. The message is getting out there. I think people it's it's getting them to come in and try it. But I think, as as Claire said, it's been such a positive experience and it actually is it's taking something that was, you know, from an ideation stage right to can we make this happen? And, and it being collaborative has been very good. Um, we've always felt, I think, in catering that we are always open to suggestions from students. Yes, we get some that are absolutely wacky um, and just won't work. But when we can and where we can, um, and obviously given us all trying to work towards a more sustainable trinity, we were more than happy to engage with this. It's been good, it's been positive, and our staff are even embracing it and getting into it as well. So you know, let's let's look at the data now in a couple of weeks. And I think it'll be very interesting what we get out of it. Yeah, that will be very interesting to see. I think, like you were saying, it's such a great example of student activism turning into reality. I know students, Trinity students in particular, are very active when it comes to sustainability. I mean, we have Green Week coming up the 21st of February. I think there's somewhere between 30 or 40 events planned for for the week, they are just so involved. But that involvement can sometimes come at a price, Clara, can it? And we're talking now about something called, you know, climate anxiety, that students more and more are feeling this, you know, whether it's as a result of their increased knowledge of, you know, climate change and biodiversity loss, but also inaction um, on the part of leadership. So now I know we're telling the story of something the opposite of that. But Claire, can you just talk to that a little bit about what students are going through? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, you've you've described it really well already, you know, this this feeling of of climate anxiety, which is um, really something that's come to the fore in recent years. Um, And the numbers are quite stark. So um, just to give an example of a a really large multinational um, survey of 10,000 young people that was um, published just last year, found that 60% of those young people um, reported being very or extremely worried about um, the climate situation. And so we say climate anxiety, but, you know, it can really cover, that really covers a whole range of emotions, you know, anxiety, but also sadness, distress, 
anger about that inaction and, and really it is uh, you know a combination of um, uh, the, the um, worry about um, you know, climate catastrophe uh, um, catastrophic biodiversity loss but also like you say that government inaction the feeling that you know we really need to be doing things and, and things are just not being done fast enough and it really is a, a big concern um, and you know I suppose you know people are not only feeling worried, but they're also feeling kind of a loss of hope, hopefulness about their future, which is really something that we we need to do something about. So I suppose before I say anything else, I just want to say if anybody is like is experiencing significant distress, you know, that's interfering with their daily life, then you you know I strongly recommend that you would reach out for help from Trinity, um, the counselling service or student health, because if it is interfering with your everyday life. It could be interacting with other pressures that you feel in your life. And it's very, very important to get help, um, uh, uh, clinical help for that. But for the rest of us, where it is, is a, a, you know, an, an underlying feeling of anxiety and dread, there, there's definitely a couple of, of things of recommendations you can make um, to help. Um, and I suppose the first one is, um, again, not not to, to um, you know, uh, minimize the impact of these feelings. But, you know, we do need to recognize also that not all stress and anxiety is bad. Um, we shouldn't seek to eliminate all stress and anxiety in our lives because they're actually motivating factors. Right. They tell us that something is wrong and that we need to do something about it. And in this case, you know, the anxiety is merited. There is something wrong and we really do need to do something about it. And so I really like the expression that a great um, antidote to climate anxiety is climate action. Channeling that anxiety um, and that energy into taking action in, in whatever form that that takes for you. So that might be learning about the crisis. It might be changing aspects of your behavior, like changing your, you know, the um, uh, the food that you eat and the way you commute. Um, there are lots of different um, small changes that individuals can make. And then doing things like talking to other people, writing to politicians, joining some sort of group. And that kind of leads me to the second um, recommendation for people who are feeling this anxiety. You can find enormous support in finding a community that mm -hmm. um, shares your um, feelings and can provide you with support, um, solidarity and routes to action. So whether that's you know some of the student societies like the Environmental Society, there's the Green Campus Committee that are running um, Green Week next week. Um, or, you know, there may be lots of other more local, you know, um, uh, uh, organizations in your area or some of the bigger ones like Extinction Rebellion and so on. Um, and that, you know, can can give you that support that you need, but also provide you with those routes to taking action and, you know, um, recommendations for that action. But then I think also as a, as a university, you know, Trinity College has a duty to to really um, support our stu students and enable them to take action. You know, to address this climate anxiety, we need to give people opportunities to take action. And you know, we are doing we are doing. You know, Trinity is certainly taking some steps towards climate action, but we really do need to step up um, those actions and and to make good on that promise of being a climate first university. Because if we can really make being a climate first 
university part of the Trinity identity. So this is that something that all of our students, all of our staff really identify with, that they see this as being part of who they are um, as a member of the Trinity community, then it becomes part of everything we do and it just becomes second nature. And that's that's where we really need to get to. And so, Heather, can you just chime in there and say, uh, from your perspective as a student who's taken that on board and has taken action, do you have any advice for other students who might be listening to this to say, okay, I hear you, I've learned a lot now, how do I take that first step? I would suggest you look into the module, the psychology of the climate crisis, because for me, that was really, really helpful. And it was a big, um, there was so much support and there was so much flexibility. And yeah, what I really enjoyed about the module, firstly, it gives you the cold, hard facts of what it is, and then it tells you what you can do to change it and help minimise climate crisis and the assignments themselves first of all you have to do social media campaign which is something students are probably quite familiar with anyway and it's quite enjoyable and then secondly you've got so much flexibility when you're approaching a decision maker so it you can write about polar bears you can write about milk prices you can write about um the water quality in africa like you can and you can really kind of zone in on the area of climate change that worries you the most and you can actually do something about it whilst you're getting your degree and getting your credits for your college qualification. Yeah and you've just happened to do something that's so close to home it's right on campus. Uh, Maura you've made this happen so if anyone is on campus swing by one of the cafes and try out one of these plant-based milks. I drink them myself. I think they're really good. so just thanks everyone for for coming to talk with us today and really look forward to sharing your story. Yeah, thank you. I just wanted to say thank you so much to everyone who helped me with this. Like when it started, I never dreamed we'd actually get to anywhere near this level and I couldn't have done this alone. I had so much help and I really appreciate it. And for anyone listening, vegan beverages, whole month of February, milk it for all you can. <laughs> That's great. That's great. Thanks everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Keith. Thank you.